Hello and welcome to the Business of Betting podcast. Today I'm joined by Peter Sainsbury. Peter, thank you very much for coming on. Before we get into this episode, make sure you follow us on Twitter, at BettingPod, and check out the website, businessofbetting.com. Guest suggestions are much appreciated. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Betfair Proprietary Limited. Betfair operates a betting exchange and is licensed in the Northern Territory of Australia. Residents of Australia can join Betfair by visiting betfair.com.au and support this podcast by using promo code BOBPOD. Please gamble responsibly. So thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy this episode of the Business of Betting Podcast. Today I'm joined by Peter Sainsbury. Peter, thank you very much for coming on. Hi, Jake. Yeah, thanks for inviting me along. I'm looking forward to talking. Peter, tell us a little bit about your background, and, and not only in the betting world, but you've spent a fair bit of time uh, certainly writing about, and, and there's some information online about commodity markets and a few other things. So why don't you take us through your progression and then what took you from that area of the world into what we're going to talk about today and then betting on F1? Yeah, no, that sounds good. Um, yeah, so my, my background is um, in economics, so I trained as a, an economist. And, um, you know, that's been a, my sort of day job uh, over the last sort of 20 to 30 years. Um, and, you know, economics is all about kind of understanding the interactions between different parts of, uh, you know, how people behave and, uh, and um, you know, how they react to events and, uh, you know, different um, things that are going on. Um, but my, my primary focus, as you, you kind of alluded to, is about um, you know, commodity markets. So that's been my, my real focus in terms of um, you know, both my, my interest in, during, the, during the day and uh, from an investment point of view as well. Um, and uh, in the last two or three or four years, I've, I've written a, a number of books, um, you know, particularly re- really come to kind of help uh, investors understand commodity markets in, in more detail and try and um, take away some of the um, kind of uh, illusion that they, you know, it's a, it's a, a market for sort of widows and orphans and, um, you know, that they, they shouldn't uh, try and get involved in, in the sector. Um, and so that's been, you know, that's been really, really useful. Um, but I think from, from, a, from a betting point of view, I've been uh, involved, you know, primarily in uh, betting on Formula One for, Sort of 20, 20 odd years now. Uh, it's a it's a sport that I you know followed since I was yeah maybe sort of four or five years old. I can I can recall actually watching a race and um, uh, I'd perhaps you know love to sort of tell you a story that I was um, kind of betting on Formula One from uh, you know from primary school, but uh, that 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 certainly wasn't the case. It was probably uh, when I got to about uh, you know eighteen or nineteen. I you know became involved. You know, became really interested in it from a from a probability kind of point of view, and um, you know, trying to understand the the interactions between different teams and drivers, and uh, you know, really try and uh, understand where I could uh, you know capture some you know some value in, in the markets. How valuable and useful is your training as an economist, and and I think looking at different markets, for example, has a lot of that helped you when you're transitioning over towards formula one betting 
Yeah, I think it's worked um, in both directions, really, in terms of thinking about things from a you know, probab probabilistic point of view. Um, and then, you know, working the other way and trying to you know, understand, you know, if, if, if A happens, what, what does that mean for B? And what does that, what, what could that mean for other, other drivers, uh, other teams in, in the sport? So it's, it's really about sort of taking that uh, kind of sort of second level thinking, um, you know, understanding that, um, you know, different events have, you know, much wider implications. And I think it's, for, for me, it's really been those kind of insights that have allowed me to, um, you know, progress in, in betting on Formula One and, and keep it, you know, be as sustainable as it has over the last, uh, over the last two decades. What was it like in the 90s, betting on Formula One races? Yeah, it was, um, it, uh, I think it's, it's probably really been in the last um, sort of 10 to 15 years where it's become more, more professional from, uh, you know, the bookmakers are certainly much more on top of their game now than they, they were back in the you know, late 90s and uh, early 2000s. Um, you know, if you just understood the very basic rules, there were, you know, massive opportunities um, available, um, you know, and a lot of the um, the markets weren't necessarily available on the internet uh, back in back in those days. And um, you know, if you had a some some insight um, into how one team was performing relative to another, you know, that could open up really big opportunities. I think the perhaps the the best example was um, you know every every season the teams do uh, what's called you know winter testing. So they uh, they roll out their their new cars um, in sort of March, uh, February, March every year, and then spend uh, two weeks in in Barcelona, you know, testing those those cars and seeing seeing how they perform. And um, but but going going back 20, 20 odd years ago, that that information just you know wasn't getting out. You know, if you knew knew who to talk to, who who was um, who had an insight into how you know how teams were performing, um, you know, you could really get some really good in, information on. Um, you know, how how the the teams were going to perform over the season. So take us through some of the the betting market offerings that are available and which ones you focus in on. I, I would imagine the the higher volume ones are, are more important from your perspective. Yeah, yeah, to an extent. Um, I mean, from a from a high volume point of view, the you know the actual winners market for each individual race definitely has the the highest volume. Um, yeah, it's, it's traded. Yeah, certainly one of the biggest markets that's traded uh, in running during the race. Um, I think um, the, the other markets that are you know available, there's you know there's uh, markets on who wins or who's fastest in each individual practice session. Uh, you know who's fast fastest uh, during qualifying. Um, but I think the some of the interesting value you can start to get is by focusing. You know, away from the the front of the field, um, you know, other other betters and the, the bookmakers tend to focus on you know the battle for who's going to win the race, who's going to be on the podium. But I think there's there's much less focus on uh, you know who's going to be 
in uh, who's going to be able to get into sixth place or who's going to be able to get into the, the back end of the points. Uh, and so you, you often get markets on uh, kind of group betting and match betting uh, where where the bookmakers just you know just haven't priced it up correctly. You know they haven't understood you know how the underlying performance of the the teams and drivers is is likely to evolve over over the weekend. And so yeah, and I think that's, those are probably the you know the most interesting markets that there there are. How do you split your time? Are you betting mainly in play, or do you still spend a lot of time before the race and, and betting on different markets before they before they start? Uh, I think it's primarily. Um, Bets place before the start, um, or you know, in the days leading up to up to the Grand Prix. Um, I think what's what's important really is to kind of, you know, I I analyse the performance of the drivers and the teams by you know looking at how you know their pace, um, you know, how the teams have performed on you know strategy, you know, how reliable the the cars have been, uh, and, you know, the relative performance of different teammates. Um, and then I look at um, yeah how uh, the recent performance is, but also looking at you know, what's happened in previous races at uh, at that particular venue. And so you often find that one particular driver or, or a particular team tend to tend to outperform at, at certain races. And you know, just this weekend coming, uh, you know, Lewis Hamilton in in the Mercedes team, you know, has you know, it's got a very good track record there. Um, you know, he tends tends to out, outperform where he where he where he does you know performs normally. Um, and then as the the weekend evolves, you know, you get um, you know practice uh, on uh, on Friday and Saturday morning. And that that's a really useful way of capturing more information. Uh, and I think it's it's important to understand it's you know it's not just about who has the fastest overall time? It's you know understanding the the long run pace. You know drivers do uh, you know test their cars for you know, you know several laps or more, and that that can give you a really good indication of uh, you, know, you know the underlying pace in the car. Um, and then you got you know qualifying, uh, which sets the grid for for the race. Uh, and throughout you know all of this, you're kind of you know adjusting your uh, your model of how drivers and teams are performing and, and what you expect from the race. Uh, so yeah, it's it's kind of an iterative iterative process and yeah, you know, kind of building that up to the to the start of the race. How dynamic is that period between, let's say, like Tuesday or Wednesday, all the way through some of the testing and the Thursday, Friday, Saturday sessions, um, and then to the race? Yeah, it it, um, it it certainly varies by by the track. I think is probably the key variable. You know, I think you. Um, for a, a circuit like, uh, say, um, you know, Monaco, it's a you know street circuit. Um, what drivers and teams like to see is, you know, they gradually ramp up the speed during the weekend, so you've got more and more confidence building up. Um, but what you you don't want to see happen is uh, a driver putting it in the wall on on Friday and then losing uh, all that uh, that time and you know data to to help prepare for the race or, uh, you know, if there's a, um, a lot of rain on, on the Friday and the rest of the weekend's due to be dry, um, you know, teams are, and the drivers are, have got a real sort of blank sheet of what's that they expect from the race. Uh, so it, I think the answer is it, it varies dramatically uh, depending on 
uh, you know, the circuit and, and the weather conditions and other things, other factors like that. Um, and so what can be interesting is when you've got that kind of disruptive session, um, it's really sort of focusing then on the on the potential for those teams and drivers that you wouldn't normally expect to be performing towards the front, you know, can open up some real, real possibilities and real, real big opportunities. So there's something like, I think, 15 races on the year or the season or around that number. Is, is that enough for you to bet on? Would you love there to be, you know, 30 races or one every weekend or two a week? What's a, an optimal amount of, of races to bet on? That's right. It was around, uh, it's, you know, the number of races over the season has, has gradually grown over the last 20 years. It you know, used to be around, you know, around 15 or 16 and now it's, you know, 20 or 21. Um, and, uh, you know, in an ideal world, I, I would be it'd be great if this was um, you know, Formula One was on every weekend. I'm not sure my um, my uh, my family would would agree with me, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it would certainly uh, make um, more interesting times for me. Um, and I, I think it I think it's uh, I think the important point point perhaps is that uh, you know I, I do a lot of you know, research to understand you know how teams and drivers are performing and uh trying to you know capture as much value as i can from the races um but because there's only you know so few races during the during the year um i think you've got to be you've got to be very careful about um you know how much uh kind of you don't, you don't want to get too confident about your um what you expect uh, to happen um you know, because the, there's so many, so few distinct events over the year. Uh, you know, you only need, you know, you could be incredibly confident with one particular driver and, you know, have got, you know, it could be a, a massive price, but you only need another car to, um, you know, outbreak itself and, and crash into the back of it for that to go, you know, literally go up in smoke. And so I think that, yeah, it's about, you know, because, because Formula One's a, a dynamic sport where you've got you've got twenty drivers, you know, charging around a, a circuit. They're all uh, jostling for position on, you know, especially on the first lap. You know, they're they're having to overtake each other, uh, you know, overtake back back markers during the race, uh, and all those those you know, individual events mean that you know your carefully laid bets, your you know carefully laid vision of, of what the the sport and you know the the race is gonna how it's gonna unfold you know can go completely pear-shaped sometimes take me through the differences you might have noticed recently with the change on certainly the allowing of advertising for example uh in formula one and i guess that overall shape because obviously a lot of sports are pushing back more than leaning in towards gambling and, and sports betting and advertising and some of those things. Yeah. How has that changed this year? And I guess, what do you expect it to, or what impact will it have in the coming years? Yeah, that's right. So um, the sport has always been uh, up until very recently you know, owned and run by um, really the man that founded it, a guy called uh, Bernie Ecclestone. And he was pretty much, you know, quite anti uh, betting advertising uh, involved in the sport you know he was quite happy for for a while to be for it to be you know tobacco and uh, and alcohol but uh, you know betting was um for whatever reason too too much of a too much of a leap 
Um, but in, in recent years, the the new new owners of the sport, uh, a company called uh, Liberty, um, have been much more open to uh, you know the sort of you know the commercial opportunities that um, you know betting betting advertising and um, more kind of insights from a from a pro- probability kind of point of view uh, would bring. Um, so, you know, this year we had the we've got there's a team called uh, Racing Point, and they're they're sponsored by a company called uh, Sporting Pazer, who are a, who are a betting company, and um, I, th- I think it's it, it, it's difficult to know at this time whether there's you know perhaps more more volume in the market or more more markets, um, but it, certainly from think of it from a, a UK bookmaker perspective and uh, there's certainly a lot of competition in the sector so there's you know there's i think relative to where it was maybe five years ago there's you know there's a lot of bookmakers uh, getting involved in the sport which is which is good i you know you've got lots of competition in terms of you know the range of range of markets that are being uh, being offered uh, and also the prices on offer as well um i think um the, the other point to mention is, you know, Formula One's push into uh, into America. Um, so they've, there's been a race in, in Texas since I think about 2012, um, but there's a you know potential for another one in in, in Miami um, in in the next maybe two or three years. Uh, so I think if uh, you know Formula One pushes further into that market, you know now that you know betting's um, on the road, at least to more deregulation, then then I think that will be a you know a big, um, you know, a big potential opportunity for you know, Formula One and and for you know people like me as well. So tell me, especially with your background about the betting markets and I guess some of the efficiency or or how they've evolved over the last decade or so. Have you noticed that things have tightened up a fair bit, or is there still plenty of information to gather and bets to place if you're doing things you know in a coordinated manner and then targeting the right areas you know the, the markets are certainly more efficient than than they were um but i think the what's what's interesting about formula one i think relative to to other sports is that the you know the rules keep changing all the time um so unlike you know, say football, horse racing, or or golf. You know the actual uh, the playing field, as it were, keeps changing every year. You know, you, they don't want one team dominating each and every year, and that carrying on into the future. So every year, uh, the sports, um, <clears throat> um, you know, um, governing body, you know, changes the rules effectively, so it makes it more difficult for uh, for teams to to compete, you know, they, there's a constant uh, striving forward to you know, more innovation. And um, I think from a, from my perspective, it, it's really you know, trying to understand you know, how teams are likely to perform under those you know, different rules, uh, and uh, and, that, and that throws up new, you know, new opportunities. So it, it's um, you know you do get market markets becoming more efficient, but then as the rules change. Uh, those, you know, those inefficiencies start to be you know, reintroduced into the betting markets. So, tell me about the the betting process with different bookmakers. How many different bookmakers can you, you know, if I started betting on Formula One today and I needed to have 
different accounts, am I am I able to bet at five, ten, fifteen, or less or more? Is there an exchange option? Are they looking at cutting down bet sizes for those that are doing well in Formula One? Tell us a little bit about your experience in that space. Yeah, I think there's um, uh, yeah, there's there's in certainly from, from in the UK there's about um, you know say fifteen, uh, maybe maybe even more actually, but you know bookmakers that um, you know frequently offer at least a, a limited range of, of markets on on each Formula One race. Uh, there are probably a handful or more that you know are, are very very um, you know and they offer a very sort of comprehensive range of markets and they and they do that you know for every individual session during the weekend and you know they've they've been consistent over time as well. Uh, so I think there's you know there, there's there's definitely uh, you know lots of interest there. Um, you know, certainly on the the exchanges as well. You know, Betfair and, uh, and I think a few others. Um, you know, offer you know range of markets uh, that you can trade during in individual individual sessions as well. Uh, and and I think um, I think you know the answer about uh, you know how much money you can place with bookmakers. I think it's we're at the point at the moment in the UK where there's so much competition on um you know in terms of formula one from the bookmakers that um that's not necessarily been too much of a problem so far uh so i think it's, you know, it's quite an quite an interesting market at the moment and what about high volume exchanges or certainly in play i'm interested if you're are you sitting on the computer with a couple of screens open watching the event and and trading in that sense of the word or is it pretty much the the bookmakers that you're targeting yeah uh, i think it, it's it's primarily I think yes, the balance between the two really. Um, you know, leading up to the weekend, it's it's a, you know a lot really to the bookmakers, but um, you know, in uh, towards when the race is starting and uh, you know through the race, you know, I've got you know perhaps uh, Betfair up, and uh, you know you can you can access uh, you know the live timing um, for for the race, so you can understand you know where drivers sit relative to each other, you know how they're performing. Uh, you know, second by second. Uh, you know, I think you've the the thing you've got to be aware of with um, uh, you know Formula One on on TV. You know, I think like uh, like a lot of sports is that there is a you know, tends to be a, a lag between the pictures you see on TV and uh, you know and the actual what's actually happening. Um, so that's you know that that can be relevant to to Formula One in, in particular. You know, if a, if a car has uh, crashed out. Um, you know, there's, there's no that gives you very limited time to react and, and pull your funds out. So, tell me about the analytics side of this and what you can use, what information you can use to evaluate performance and, I guess, derive probabilities so that you can hopefully place, you know, plus EV bets. Yeah, uh, I think I mentioned earlier on. There's, uh, you know, every every race there is a. Uh, a number of practice sessions where the, the teams and drivers can uh, um, you know test their cars, you know, test the setups for the race. Uh, so you all that all that data is you know, publicly available. You can you can download you know lap by lap information. Uh, I think what's what's useful is is both understanding the the you know the fastest lap that people produce uh, a driver does, uh, but also the you know, the long run times, you know, understanding how they are likely to perform perform during the race. Uh, I think where where it becomes 
very difficult is uh, in in recent years the the sport has introduced the uh, tires that um, they they degrade a lot faster than the that was in the sport um, a few years ago, and uh, so you've you've really got to understand how you know what what at, at, at individual points what what teams were what were they what tires were they were they using um if it was a just a very short um you know number of laps you know does that indicate that they were you know very light on fuel if they've done a a long run does you know does that mean they were the heavy on fuel you know and it's kind of just to tease apart um you know those kind of that, that sort of context behind it uh, and it's really only only by doing that that you can really uh kind of understand the the state of play between different drivers has that been predictable it, you know if you do all the work and you tease out those different elements has it been something that you can find out which direction it might take because i know in you know basketball for example i think at college level they changed the shot clock time and in nfl there was different rule changes with respect to you know different flags and penalties and things like that and it wasn't always 100 percent clear if that would be good for scoring or bad for scoring or, or different elements in formula one have you found that it's been something that you can essentially pinpoint what the outcomes might lead to i think i think it's all about you, know, you can't necessarily predict what's going to happen um but, you know there's too many uh, other variables that that the impact on the on the weekend uh you know how how a driver and team are going to going to perform um but you you can often find things you know sort of glaring uh differences in, in performance that just you know just aren't reflected in in the market uh and it's really those those kind of instances that i i look out for uh you know where there's you know something is being completely you know mispriced and that's that's what that's what i'm that's what i really I, what i look for how much of your process is gut feeling and watching the race and then making a split second judgment on what you're seeing versus putting all the information the lap time and all the other data into a computerized model yeah i think um I think as the you know as you as you move through the you know from where like you know through uh, a couple of days before the weekend and you know, as you go through uh, a lot of it's more uh, kind of model driven you know understanding uh, the data and you know the evidence that you've got but as it gets you know through individual sessions you know through qualifying in the race um, you know I've got such a you know big uh, bank of knowledge and experience by you know watching watching so many races and then and then really sort of after every race teasing it apart and you know, understanding you know why something happened why why something else you know didn't happen you know what what um uh you know um you know why why didn't one particular driver perform as as expected or as good as his teammate uh and it's only really by having that uh, sort of level of knowledge that you can then start to you have to get those sort of gut reactions and you know instinctive um, bets you know during the race. So I want to talk about the books again. We touched on some of the commodity stuff earlier on, but what drove you to to write a book about Formula One? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. Um, I, as you said, said I'd, I'd read a, I, uh, sorry, I uh, I wrote and uh, published a couple of books on on commodity markets about you know trying to help investors uh, in the sector. Uh, and part of the reason by writing a book about Formula One betting was to do the same thing for people who would 
be interested in uh, in betting on Formula One. Um, you know, other people who are betting been betting on other sports, but also people who have an interest in in Formula One, but you know, are interested in getting it uh, getting into it from a from a betting point of view. Um, I think the the other kind of point was that um, it goes back to our, kind of our conversation. Really, is I it was a kind of a, a way of sort of formalizing my um, you know my playbook as you like for, for betting on Formula One. Uh, it's it's something I've developed over over the years, but I haven't you know up until recently I hadn't actually put it on paper as to you know why I. F- for why I think the, the way I do and you know, how I approach the weekend. Um, so I think it is you know, both to help other people, but also it's been a useful process for me really in trying to um, you know, get some structure and you know, be able to move on from where, where I have been. In such a you know, relatively small or niche marketplace, did, were you worried that it might impact those markets or if, if enough people got a got their hands on the book and implemented some of the things that it might have an impact on on your business yeah that's that's always um there's always the potential for that to happen um but now i think uh you know it it's about you know you only kind of move forward and, and improve if you, you you share your ideas and share your process I mean, it's only from doing that that you you know you can iterate that and, and improve so uh you know I, I you know i hope people you know take on board some of the uh, the insights that i've you know detail in the book um you know and you know they're, they're very willing very um you know you your listeners are you know certainly uh, able to you know get in touch with me and you know we can have a have a conversation and that would be that'd be really good so i want to also ask about a bit of a different topic and just essentially decision making and your process for making decisions making better decisions and how you manage some of the the emotions the passions and all that goes with it have you sort of built a framework around what you can do to try and help your process within all of that yeah that's right um i mean we've touched on it uh to an extent already just thinking about um you know sort of you know the sort of mental models in terms of making decisions so uh thinking from things from a you know inside you know, most people think of things from like an inside point of view. So, uh, you know, recent form suggests you know this driver is gonna gonna win the race. They've won the last couple of races. Um, but taking it from an outside view, you know, you might look at what's happened in in recent you know, previous years at that event. Um, you know, uh, what are the the underlying weather conditions that mean that another driver might uh perform better than what you you know the recent uh form suggests um you know thinking things from a kind of sort of second level thinking perspective um and uh, i think you know one example that came up in the last few races was at um the race in azerbaijan so there was a it's a very much a, a fast street street circuit where you know during the course of the weekend a lot of drivers you know had accidents they crashed into the barriers and uh, the the market for whether there's going to be a, a safety car. So, you know, a safety car comes out if there's a an accident or there's a, a debris on the circuit that um, that means um, uh, you know they need to kind of sort of neutralise the race and um, you know slow people down. And 
but what what happened was that you know the market you know the sorry the drivers you know reacted to that that uh that level of um sort of damage during the during the build up to the session so their their behavior react um you know was a lot more be- uh, sort of better behaved during the race so they actually drove perhaps more responsibly than than they uh, they would have done normally and um, so you could kind of under you know appreciate that the they'd react to those events and you know be more be more responsible during the race um and i think uh you know we touched on you know the limited number of uh races during the season and that you need to kind of control your you know risk appetite during during the races you know that's that's uh, i think that's a key concern um but what i've introduced to to my own process and that's kind of something i've developed from uh investing and trading in in commodities is a, a decision journal uh so before uh, this doesn't necessarily apply to uh you know in in trade betting but uh certainly uh, any bets that are placed before before the weekend and before the race uh i you know document my decision making process uh before actually placing it so uh you know kind of what's my what's my rationale for uh for backing that particular outcome you know where how much value do i see in in the price that's being being offered um and then i kind of detail you know what 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 would need to change for me to make you know to make to know that that was the wrong decision you know when would i when would i want to come out of that trade or out of that bet um and i always find that's you know best to do that when you're at your least emotional and you're your most rational and that's tends to be you know before you've actually you know placed placed that bet how has that impacted your overall p l or just your overall betting or overall process has it been really positive or how do you yeah. avoid uh just going straight to the outcome and saying whether it was good or bad based on the outcome rather than the the general process well i think i think what it's allowed me to do is to look back um you know after the race but over the course of the season and i can i can see you know wh- whether it's a, a win or a loss uh, i can see my rationale for making a particular particular bet or a particular trade and you know irrespective of the outcome the you know if the rationale is is sound you know if i've if I identified based on my my framework of understanding and my um you know perception of, of risk and, and value in the market that you know what I've, i i the best little trade i've done is was the right decision at the time, then you know I can use that information to keep on improving my process. Uh, so I think it, it it's been it's been useful from a you know a PNL perspective, but it's also been very useful from a uh, kind of that you know emotional uh, you know kind of sort of mind management during the season. Tell me, have you looked at betting on other motorsports for example that might have uh, similarities or even ball sports have have you thought about how that might play out yeah uh, well i mean the, the other uh, motorsport that um i do sometimes get involved with is uh, formula e and so it's very similar to formula one but you know yeah, it's uh, electric electric vehicle uh and that's only 
say about five years, five years old now. Um, it's much more more limited in terms of betting markets. Uh, you know, much more much more unpredictable. You know, the cars are, are typically there's very little to differentiate between them. So the you know the ability of the driver has a much more uh, a much bigger influence on on the outcome. Um, but I think that's that's something that's I'm starting to get my teeth into a bit more. Um, you know, the betting markets are are quite limited at the moment. But I think you know as it becomes a bit more more popular, uh, you know, hopefully that that will that will develop in you know over the next couple of years. Um, I I don't necessarily follow um, uh, you know other sports to the level I do Formula One, so it's uh, I don't necessarily see it. Sort of crossing over to uh, to other sports, but you know that yeah that may that may happen in the future. So not many people have been following Formula One for a couple of decades. What advice would you have for those interested in it and might be looking at it from a betting perspective and moving forward might want to get involved in the Formula One betting marketplace? Yeah, no, I think um, I think it's a, it's a great um, a great sport to, to follow. It's great. Um, I think the betting markets are, are very interesting. I think. Um, yeah, some some great opportunities there. Um, I, I, you know, if you if any of your listeners or anyone else um, perhaps don't come from a, a betting perspective or betting uh, background and they've always just just followed the sport, I think I'd 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 always perhaps just caution that um, you know your your sort of specialist specialist knowledge of a of any domain, you know, and you know, also Formula One isn't necessarily going to translate into being able to succeed at it from a from a betting perspective um you know it's as in all betting or you know investing or trading it's you know it's all about finding value um, and not necessarily about getting the the prediction exactly right um, so i think that's probably the the main um uh the main lesson i you know want people to take away uh but also really that's uh, you know, I mentioned earlier on, really, you know, luck can play a big part in the outcome uh, in any particular race. So I think it's as you learn more about sport, you can appreciate where those chance events are more likely to happen. So, you know, wet races um, where you know, the practice leading up to the race has been disrupted. You know, your you know the, the former guide is likely to be overturned in. You know, it's, it's, there's more chance of that happening, um, but yeah, and I think overall, it's I think it's, a, it's an exciting sport and, and betting market to be involved in, and uh, you know, I think it's going to be uh, got a lot of potential for growth in the future. I have one final question about how you spend some of your time from a non-day-to-day perspective, where you're digging into the information and the models and, and betting. How do you spend your research hours or some of your spare time? Are you looking at investing or are you focusing in on betting or do you spend time reading about economics? What areas do you focus on to help augment what you're doing on the betting side? Yeah, um, well, I think it's what I try and do is uh, read, you know, read as widely as possible. So not just about um, Formula One, not just about betting, um, and not just necessarily about you know investing or, or economics. It's about trying to take aspects from lots of different fields, um, and I think it's only really by kind of sort of bringing that together that you can 
um, you know, get an edge. So it's, we've talked about, you know, uh, lessons in sort of decision making and uh, kind of managing managing emotions. Uh, and those are those are things that I've kind of taken from, you know, really looking, you know, taking at things from a, a very different angle. And so, yeah, that, that's, you know, that's where I, I kind of enjoy, um, you know, sort of spending my, yeah, the other hours that I, that I have avail- available. So, Peter, I want to make sure that those interested in the book can get a little understanding of what they can expect. So do you mind just running us through the, the blurb or what they can expect and also where they can find you on social media or even the website? I think it's materialsrisk.com. Yeah, that's right. So um, the book is called uh, The Winning Formula uh, betting on Formula One. Um, you know, it's available on on Amazon uh, as an ebook, um, and the the book is written, uh, I think, on sort of two different levels. It, it kind of introduces Formula One to a a relative novice to the sport, uh, but also, you know, for the someone who's got a, a good grasp of of betting, you know, it takes you through, you know, the different. Um, different parts of the, the the race weekend what you need to think about at different different times during the weekend uh, how to think about trading uh, during the race or different uh, different sessions over the weekend and um, what to think about in terms of data so the the amount of information that's uh, that you can capture where you can get it um, how to interpret it um, and uh, yeah, as we've talked about today, you know the, the type of different markets that are available, um, and where, and in what circumstances you know you can you can look for the best value. Um, the you know the best place to contact me on Twitter is uh, at betonformula1, and um, the. My uh, my website, which is primarily focused on you know, uh, you know commodities, is materials-risk.com. Perfect, Peter. Thank you very much for your time and your insights. I think we're we got Canada coming up next, and then on to France. So best of luck with the uh, the betting, and best of luck with the book, and and I, I wish you all the best. Thanks very much. Really really enjoyed it, Jake. Thanks very much. 